Welcome to the MedTech Talent Lab, the number one catalyst for advancing careers and building high-performance teams. Sponsored by the Anthony Michael Group, helping companies secure in-demand talent in regulatory affairs, quality, clinical, engineering, R&D, and other areas for medical device, digital health, diagnostics, and other organizations across the U.S. life sciences sector. Here's your host, Mitch Robbins. Hey, welcome back. The first episode of 2023, actually. It's it's Mitch Robbins here with the MedTech Talent Lab podcast, talking about all things talent, especially within the MedTech industry. If you're joining us for the first time, we appreciate you being here. We're live uh, Wednesdays every week, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern, each week with a new topic. And then simultaneously, I have the pleasure of interviewing a variety of leaders from the industry in a recorded form on all things talent related. You can check out all those episodes, basically wherever you consume your podcast content. I've got uh, my right-hand man with me, Adam Soppy, he's here every week. And we've got uh, today, we're honored to have our buddy, Nick Swig here, who is the Director of Talent Acquisition for Collegium Pharmaceuticals. Uh, Nick has been on many of these shows with us, especially in live format, but I met him a couple of years ago because he was actually one of our one of our recorded guests. I um, mean, we've built a great relationship and yeah. he shows up on the regular talking about all these different things. So how are you guys? Happy New Year. Happy, Happy New, New Year. Year. Um, yeah, good to be back. Excited for another whole season of the show. Today, we're going to talk about how do you know if it's really time to make a change? When I say, how do you know if it's time to make a change? We're obviously talking about a career move. You know, usually this time of year, people have their New Year's resolutions that whether or not they're lasting, that's a whole different ballgame. But they have New Year's resolutions. It's turning of the calendar, time to renew yourself, kind of do a look back, look forward. What are your goals? And oftentimes, you know, the, the idea of making a change comes up around this time of the year. Hey, is it really, am I ready to make this change? The holidays are past us. You know, is it go time or am I going to be here for, for a while? And I kind of wanted to talk through maybe some personal uh, experiences, but then also really lay out some criteria of what you should be thinking about before you decide to pull the trigger and actually get yourself involved in the new interview processes. So let's, I guess, jump in and ask you guys a question. If you look back, you know, Adam and I have worked together across two different companies for almost eight years. So it might not necessarily portray to him in the recent past, but he made a big move. And maybe Adam, you could talk about that as far as how you end up making an, an entire industry t- transition. But Nick, you made a move just recently. And obviously that was for a reason in a way out of your control, but you made a move before that to a completely different scenario. And I I don't want to steal your thunder. Maybe you could chime in and and talk through your personal experience, how you decided to make a move for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. And you're exactly right. The last transition was sort of forced upon me uh, versus a a strategic chosen uh, path. But prior to that, you're, you're also right. I had made the decision to move on. I'd been with a large medical device slash pharmaceuticals slash healthcare company uh, for about eight and a half years and had a great time there, had a lot of great relationships, had built a team from scratch and ultimately got to the point where I became ready. And that's the topic of, of today, right? How, how do you know? And I think for me, part of it had to do with the capacity to learn and the capacity to make an impact. And so when I started at that company, I, that was my first stint as a corporate recruiter. I'd always been on your side of the desk, 
uh, prior to that for about eight, nine years. And there was a lot to learn as it related to the differences, you know, being internal. And, you know, you go through this honeymoon phase. I think everybody does when they take a new position. Um, that tends to lead to more of that fear and anxiety when you you start to learn how much you actually don't know. But then over time, you start to learn those things that you didn't know. You start to become really effective. And in some cases, there are opportunities along the way to either advance or uh, move laterally such that that learning continues and develops. And that was my case. I, I started as a senior recruiter. I moved into a, a, a talent acquisition supervisor role where I was overseeing RPO recruiters. Uh, I then moved into a manager of talent acquisition role where I had uh, both RPO as well as internal recruiters. And there was a ton of new learning associated with this new leadership role that maybe wasn't tied to the corporate recruiting side, but was really focused on that leadership. But Sure enough, two, three years after becoming a leader and uh, getting my, my team trained and coached uh, to the point where they really didn't need me, that was something I was very proud of. But the reality was I really didn't have a job. I sat and waited for emails to come in. They didn't come in. And that's not really the best, best case scenario. And unfortunately, at that particular organization, there wasn't another role that I was interested in personally that would allow me to continue to grow and learn. So it was really that point where I had to start looking externally. But I, I for me, and I think everybody's got different sort of core motivators. That's really what it comes down to. You know, if your core motivator is to, to help people and you're in a role where you don't have the opportunity to do that. I think that's going to be the trigger for you to start looking. So I would start by understanding what is my core motivator? What's my why? And am I achieving that in my current role? And if the answer is no, is there another role in my organization where I might be able to achieve that objective? If you get to that, that answer being no, that's when it's time to start uh, dusting off the resume and looking externally. Adam, you made a move, a big move, roughly eight years ago or so from one industry to another. How did you know it was time to make a change? Yeah, so I was in an in industry for 13 years uh, prior to making that move. And it was personal and professional. It kind of converged all at once. We had a, you know, we, I had a boy that was just a baby. He's 10 years old now. I have two boys, 10 and eight. And, uh, and, and so part of that was my weekends after working 50, 60 hour work weeks. My weekends were being disrupted and, and on a whim, you know, I'd be, Mitch and I have talked about this before. I'd be at a, at a park, pushing him in a swing, get an email or a text or something. It's like, all right, buddy, we got to go, bundle him up, get home, fire up the laptop. And then a lot of times it was for not anyway. So that piece of it and just being burned out and, and just not being challenged and, and not seeing the path forward. Um, I think all those things and relocating. I mean, we moved across country, we moved from, from Chicago to Colorado. And, and so I think a lot of things hit all at once. Um, and, and it was a successful career and, and I have no, uh, regrets or anything like that. And I think a lot, fortunately, a lot of that skill set and mindset and everything else has translated well, um, into this world for almost nine years too. So, but it, you know, to what I think Nick uh, kind of alluded to, it wasn't anything rash. And, and I think that's a big one that I always push back on people. I always challenge them. If I get a, if I get an answer like, oh man, you, you caught me at the right day. I'm having a lousy day at work. I will deliberately, we'll talk, but I'll deliberately cut the conversation short and reschedule. 
And I try to push that back almost a week because if it was, hey, everyone has a bad day at work, I don't want to move full full speed ahead with that. That's crazy. And then inevitably, eight times out of 10, I talk to them five days later and they're like, oh, you know, things settled down. I'm good. I, I don't want to go anywhere else. Okay, good. I'm glad we didn't get, get too far down the road or, hey, it's 40 below zero wind chill here in Colorado. You find me a job in San Diego, I'll be there on Monday. And then that thing settled down inevitably and you're like, okay. So don't make rash decisions. And I, I challenge people on that all the time too. Why are you interested? Well, I'm working on this project and I'm working 60-hour weeks. Okay, well, how long have you been doing that? Uh, three weeks. How long do you think you'll be doing that? Well, we have to submit it February 1st. Okay, so that's a finite amount of time. I get that you're you know, 22 years old or 26 years old or whatever. As an old guy, I can tell you, step back. You know, If you look at everything holistically, this is a, a brief snapshot in time. Hang out, put, put your head down and get through this. And then if that's still the case, then let's talk. But in the meantime, don't, don't make any rash decisions. So I'm not trying to convince people of when the right time is to make a move, but I would say the wrong time is because of a short, short-term discomfort. Also, we had mentioned, you had mentioned, Mitch, um, kind of that new year, new you. Don't make a move just because of that peer pressure or whatever else, or, hey, I have five colleagues that moved and, and they got a 10% bump or whatever, whatever stories you're hearing. That's a, a poor decision, a poor reason to make a move also, in my opinion. Good stuff, guys. So, so I wrote out a sheet of notes and a lot of, I was listening to you guys ahead of time because I wanted to see what you would say. And a lot of the stuff that I wrote down is more, is more tactical of some things that we see that come up, certain circumstances that come up and, and kind of pivotal moments like, okay, is this a reason that I should move forward with an interview process or is this a reason that I should stop and re, you know, uh, reassess what's going on internally? So I'll just kind of go through some of the things I wrote down. But one of the biggest themes I was thinking about before this show was the role that you have in the company that you work for is a lot like personal relationships in the sense that every, every relationship has its own garbage to deal with. Every relationship, the dynamics between two individuals or a group of individuals is always going to have rough edges because that's just what makes the world go around. And so what makes a great relationship is basically whose garbage can fit with the other garbage. And it's almost like a puzzle piece, right? Some people, you just can't, whatever it is about them, it doesn't jive with your with your makeup. And so in essence, what you're doing is you're trading challenges and headaches for other challenges and headaches. It may not seem like yeah. it at first because it's shiny. All the, you know, it's a new the relationship, phase, like it's a new said, company, yeah. it's a new onboarding. Everybody's welcoming you. You've got the new, the new swag, but sure enough, yep. soon enough, it's, it's challenges and headaches. And so What's what I would saying, encourage- Mitch, I think it's the devil you know is better than the devil you don't, right? It's and exactly it's right. kind of the same idea that you're, you're going to get challenges everywhere, but knowing what the challenges are, are sometimes better than not knowing. That's exactly right. And so what I would encourage people to do is, you know, ask yourself, can the challenges that you're currently dealing with be resolved with some effort or are they truly challenges that you're ready to trade in? And so I want to give you some examples of some of the things I'm referring to. So for example, you're frustrated. You found out, like Adam said, your friend's got they made a move and they got more money and you guys work in a similar role. And you're like, whoa, considering I knew what they made already and now they're making even more, that's not good for me. Yeah. How is this possible? Well, have you had a conversation internally about figuring out how you can negotiate a reasonable increase and having some justification as to why you deserve that increase? And if you have, have you already been shut down or is that a work in progress? If you haven't even had the conversation, okay, slow down because I guarantee you, Yep. That money's coming from somewhere, whether it's you 
tactfully negotiating now or them trying to keep you on the back end with a counteroffer, which doesn't make anybody feel good. So that's number one. Yeah. Yep. Number two, are you frustrated right now with your boss for some reason? And have you had the hard but necessary conversations with truth, transparency, vulnerability to try and explain why you're frustrated? Because I'm sure a good manager wants to hear from their people of what they what their people are frustrated with and at least take some sort of steps forward to figure out how to make the work environment better for that person, whether it's removing roadblocks, trying to find more resources for them, trying to identify growth opportunities that they weren't really aware that this person wanted. Have you had these conversations yet? Um, a big I one right like now is you owe it to yourself and to your and to your manager to have those conversations, too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, Because I think that you're doing your manager, like you said, a disservice that they didn't even get the opportunity to try and make it right for you. For sure. Yep. Yep. Um, A big one right now is work environment flexibility. Every day I see, you know, the top headlines are work environment flexibility. This company's doing hybrid. This company wants to do remote. This company's pushing people back to the office. It's obviously a huge topic. And so let's just say that your organization has a policy. Is it a hard and fast policy? If it is, point at the beginning, you know, your core motivations are what's truly important to you. You know, I don't think this is exactly what you were talking to, but if this is a hard and fast thing for yourself and your company has a hard and fast opposite rule, okay, that's a big deal. And you know, the truth is outside of these, these topics, areas that I just mentioned, sometimes a career move is the best bet if you're looking for a fresh start and you want a new area of technology or a new therapeutic area or it's something that your company just cannot offer. Guess what? The only way forward is to make a move, right? But the point is to truly consider why are you wanting the move, which goes exactly back to the front end of this podcast where Nick said, what are your core motivators? And what you're doing now, does that line up with your core why? Um, and if it does, and some of these you know, trials and tribulations can be resolved, then I would suggest staying. But if it's something bigger than that, Okay, now it's time to move forward. Now, before I go on, what do you guys think about some of that stuff? Agree, disagree, other thoughts to add? Totally. It's funny, I agree. And you, you and I both agree on that when it's counterproductive to what recruiters might tell you that, that you know, for, for what we do for a living. Yeah, and like Nick said, it's the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. And if, if you get to, hey, I'm at the seven-year itch or whatever, I, I, I'm just ready to make a move. To Nick's point, good. We'll see if you can do something in-house first. You know, if you want to make a move and get some new scenery, whatever, Great, you could probably do that without screwing up your your pension or your invested equity or whatever else, and you generally like the company. So do it there versus going to another company that you don't really know that well that could end up, you know, serving you poorly. So start there and really vet that out. And I think, yeah, and I, I, that would be one thing I'd like to add. Yeah, the only thing I, I think I'd add is that you know we're certainly talking about being strategic about launching a search. Right? When is the time to to think about a new surge. But but I'd also say, even if you're not at that point where it's time to launch a surge, it's still a good practice to be at least open to hearing about alternative opportunities because there are times when there are objectives or goals that we can't see for ourselves, right? And sometimes it's a knock on the door. You think you're on the right track. You think you, you know exactly what you want. And then someone comes and, and shares something that is truly outside of your thinking. And that can really be exhilarating. So uh, not suggesting dive into everything. You know, we, we all get a lot of emails about jobs, but 
don't immediately dismiss opportunities simply because you're not at the point where you're ready to look. And you're both probably happy I'm saying that, of course. Uh, you know, I guess we're all you know, recruiters, so we, we're all a little bit selfish in that regard. But I have been lucky that over the course of my career, I've had some good taps. I didn't want to be a manager at that company. Uh, in fact, I told them not to make me a manager, but that's what they needed. And they were able to position it in a way that I thought, okay, it might be worth it. So keep an open mind is my point. Yeah. So funny how the minds can think alike, especially the more you work together. But I kid you that people can't see it because we're, you know, audio and not video right now. But literally what I circled was, it's always okay mm. to explore new opportunities in comparison to your current situation. And it's true. That's what we're trained for as recruiters, right? You tap somebody on the shoulder. I wasn't assuming that you're unhappy or actively looking, but if there was an opportunity that truly was an enhancement to what you're doing today, would you at least want to know about it? Most, I don't know one person that, unless you're about to retire in, in you know, X amount of time from now, I don't know one person that should answer no to that question. Because think about the essence of what you're saying. If something was better than what you're doing right now, would you at least want to know about it? Because if you don't know about it and you're not at least open-minded to hearing the details, how would you ever know whether or not it's a catalyst against your overarching career goals? You wouldn't. You'd be closed-minded and you'd miss yeah. out on opportunities. Now, where we have a beef as recruiters is, okay, great. So you're open-minded. So you take the next step. You have conversations. Oh, you find out, hey, this sounds pretty good. I'm excited. Before you know it, the process is moving with a great organization, right? Assuming that their process is good, the process is moving. Now we're deep. Now you, you're freaked out and you don't want to make the change and everybody's time was invested and this could have been resolved way ahead of the time that you decide to pull out. So yeah. it's a fine line of having some conversations and then doing some soul searching, putting the brakes on and saying, am I ready to do this? What are the reasons I'm about to do this? And do they align with my overarching goals? in comparison to what I have in front of me today. I always say, before you get to a final interview, you really should be able to have at least 80% certainty that if the rest of the details unfold, that yes, because money can be talked about up front, you understand the scope of responsibility, you've met the hiring manager, you've probably met maybe the hiring manager's boss or somebody else on the team before you get to that last couple pieces, you should have most of the puzzle pieces to decide, yes, if everything else is the way I've been told so far, I do want to make this move. If you don't, then stop and figure out what is preventing you. If it's resources that you need yep. to answer questions that should have been answered already, get them. If it's that, you know what, yep. I've thought about this and I think I've got it pretty good where I'm at, then stop. So many people go yep. forward because they want, they're curious. They want the ego stroke. They want to be told they're getting an yep. offer. They want to see what the offer is. And it's just not yep. the right way to go about this. I'm sure you guys have passion and opinions on this piece yourself, and I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Well, I would say the, the one big piece is that I think a lot of candidates don't realize when they're doing this, and there, there could be a lot of different reasons why you move forward through a process that you know, you're not planning on following through with. One might be to get an offer to parade in front of your boss and HR team to you know, try to get some, uh, a better offer, counter offer. Um, what I would say is you're, what you're not realizing is how many bridges you're burning. And the reality is, whether you're in med tech or pharmaceutical, whatever industry you're in, it's a small world. And when you take a company through an entire process only to kick an offer because of reasons that you had at the very beginning, you can certainly be sure that there are some bridges that are burned. And 
my theory has always been throughout your entire career, keep as many doors open as possible. Um, I would also say that although it might be effective at getting an increase in your current comp to parade that offer and say, look what they're going to give me, you're also burning bridges internally because what you've said to your HR team, your manager is that you're not engaged, money is your motivator. And while they may give you the money you're looking for, they are also probably running a search for your replacement. And six months later, things may not working out in your favor. This is why I always say never, ever accept a counteroffer because it's, yeah. it's really a selfish action on, be, on behalf of the company. So um, I, I think it's important to evaluate the opportunity, talk to the recruiter, get the information, talk to your friends and family, your colleagues in industry, but really stop short before going into a formal interview unless you're feeling like there's you know, a, a reasonable chance of, of success that you'd, you'd accept an offer at the end of the road. Adam, any thoughts on that? Or? Not really. I think you, the both of you summed it up exactly as I would, have, I would have said it. You know, the other thing that I wanted to, to bring up here is really just the idea of the money piece. You know, I think so many times, especially this time of year in the spring or come obviously late winter, early spring, it's bonus season, right? Especially in our industries. And so many people are hanging on. They're like, I just, I got to see it through for my bonus. I'm just, I don't want to start anything. Call me back, you know, after I get my bonus. There's a lot of organizations willing to get creative to try and help you. So don't let that stop you from exploring opportunities. Plus, if anything, it's the cost of an initial conversation. So you're talking probably, what do you think? 30 minutes with a recruiter, 30 minutes with a hiring manager. So you're talking about an hour of your time, especially if the, if the recruiter is great and really truly listens to your motivations, understands your skill set, and is being cognizant of what your aspirations are, and they bring you an opportunity that lines up with what you told them, what do you have to lose? Because a couple of things. One, you're going to open doors for the future if it doesn't turn out now. You're, you're expanding your network. So if anything, it's free network o- networking opportunities that was brought to your doorstep instead of you going out and trying to figure out who to talk to. Number two, Give credit to an organization that may be willing to get creative and figure out how to bring you on board sooner without you losing a dime. Or three, maybe the organization is so great and the opportunity is so great that they're willing to be flexible and wait for you. And it's the best of all worlds. So don't let that piece, piece stop you. But I think I, I kind of want to put a book in on this by saying, pay attention to what we shared as far as reasons that you shouldn't make a move. And if it's really that yeah. you've had a bad day or you feel like you, you know, you need to be treated more equ- fair. You need to be treated more fair at, you know, from an equitable standpoint. Give your organizations opportunities to make it right if everything else is great for you. It doesn't mean that you got to just jump again. Yeah. And I would say too, this is a question I ask people too all the time. Why, why are you interested in making a move? Well, three of my colleagues have left and they got more money. Oh, okay. What, what did they tell you they're making? Uh, and some t- half the time it's like, well, I don't know. I heard it kind of through the grapevine. Well, one, then that's garbage. Two, even if they told you specifically, yeah, I'm getting a 10% bump. Okay, so three months in, are they enjoying it over there? I have no idea. Okay, well, ask that question first because we're seeing all these boomerang hires. You're like, oh, you know, the grass is not greener over there. Even with more money, guess what? They're coming back in six months. So, so again, if that's the peer pressure to make a move, really bad idea, r- r- really bad excuse to make a move, um, especially because you don't even know what the scenario is. Of course, you can make more money, but if that means working 100-hour weeks or for somebody you don't like or doing something unscrupulous or whatever the case is, would you do that? 
most people would say no. Okay, so at least find out all the data, you know, before you just hear, you know, the the rosy stuff like, oh, everyone's making a move and I can guarantee if I make a move, I'll get 10% to do the same job somewhere else. That's not always the case. Yeah. You're also not always looking at apples to apples, right? So yeah, base salary exactly. might be, you know, lots more and then bonus comes down yeah. and oh, by the way, there's no equity and oh, the yeah. the employer match for the uh, health insurance is twice as high. Yeah. I was going to say that. That's a big difference. Yeah. And you might find out, oh, shoot, they're paying $1,000 out of pocket for their benefits now. Okay. Well, then that offset more than offset the, the you know, the, the bonus or excuse me, the base bump. So yeah, it, it, make sure you're looking at everything holistically. Absolutely. Well, guys, it's great to be back in action. Our first uh, episode of the season, lots more topics to come. If you're listening to this and you're wanting certain topics covered, I'd, we'd love to hear from you. Um, you can send me an email. You can find me on LinkedIn and send me a message there. But we'd love to get your feedback on what you're enjoying about the show and what you'd like to see covered in the future. Don't forget live shows Wednesday, 11 o'clock Pacific, 2 o'clock Eastern. Reach out for details or, or check out the MedTech Talent Lab group on LinkedIn. And uh, look forward to be back next week. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, Mitch. See you guys. Thanks for listening to the MedTech Talent Lab podcast. For more content-rich episodes, log on to theanthonymichaelgroup.com or subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform.